Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, made ever more luxurious by our special guest today. I'm so glad that we have uh, Matthew Leonard in the house. And he brought his cheering section. Yay! Yay. Yay. That's my buddy John Edwards. It's great to be with you, John Edwards is listening in, uh, and I think he's he's got his heresy meter out, and he's he's wanting to check and make sure everything is good. He's not the first. It hadn't gone off yet, so you're doing good. We're like 30 seconds into the show, and you are doing good. Matthew Leonard, if people don't know who Matthew Leonard is, he's an international speaker. He's going to speak in English today. He's an author, podcaster, creator of uh, The Science of Sainthood, which is an online platform that transforms the spiritual lives of ordinary Catholics through the power and beauty of authentic Catholic spirituality. That sounds cool. Uh, an accomplished filmmaker, Matthew, uh, filmmaker. He's yeah. a maker of films. Maker of films. Are you an auteur? Do you, do you subscribe to the auteur theory? I subscribe to, subscribe to a lot of theories. I'm not sure the auteur <laughs> one is one of them. Does it subscribe to you? That's the question. <laughs> uh, and you've, got, you've written, produced, directed, and hosted multiple best-selling Catholic video series, which have been translated into a dozen languages. Again, you're going to speak English today. And a convert and former missionary is podcast, The Art of Catholic is heard on more than 190 in more than 190 countries around the world. Matthew lives in Ohio with his wonderful, beautiful, saint-like wife, Veronica, and their six children. She has to be a saint. She is. Yeah, to be with you. That's, that is awesome. And unfortunately, Matthew, um, your description took up all the showtime, so we don't really have any. <laughs> it's great to be with you, Deacon. <laughs> yes. It was fantastic. Thanks for joining us. John, thanks for coming. It was great having you here. I enjoyed the whole show. So we are so excited because... Uh, John Edwards, uh, the group, the folks over there at Pew Ministries, uh, John, as you all know, is, is does the uh, the podcast, just a, a guy in the pew, and uh, he is uh, he made it so that Matthew Leonard came into uh, to our town here, uh, and uh, and so we said, hey, can we please, please, please have him on our show? And uh, Matthew, you were so nice to uh, to oblige, so thank you for coming and visiting it, us here. It is my pleasure. I'm indebted to John for for setting this up. Let's not make John too much on. of a big good I mean, guy, okay? We don't want to. His, his, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he likes he likes that. Well, and and you're sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, which is nice. We only allow certain people to be sitting in here with us. So. Well, I can I can just tell from the uh, indents on the <laughs> some people larger than me have been sitting in this booth. I can that, see the indents. That's right. We've had some heavyweight Catholics in here. We'll just say it that way. <laughs> um, all right. So you know what? Uh, you've got so many things that you uh, that you do, uh, and that long list of things that I just read. So you got your fingers in all kinds of. Catholic pies, as it were, doing all kinds of great uh, work for the church as an evangelist, really a speaker and all the things that you do. Um, but, it, but, but I always love to kind of go back to the beginning and find out like where all that came from, because I, I always view like the person who's the evangelist, the person who's out there doing stuff and going like, man, you're out there working in the vineyard of the Lord and you're doing all this great stuff. Obviously, you were born and raised a good Catholic and you were just all you went to, you know, all did all the Catholic stuff when you were little. But you kind of have a different story than that. Yeah, you know, I'm a, pa- I'm a 
Protestant pastor's kid. My dad was a Methodist pastor and then became a Pentecostal pastor after he got filled with the Spirit. And we've been in umpteen different denominations. Man, and that's up. a little bit of a, uh, a, a shift from jump. Methodist yes. to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for anyone who knows the Protestant world, that is a massive shift. And uh, you sure there wasn't any lightning involved in that? There might have been, but I was probably in my room. Uh, oh, okay. You know, for something. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have video games when that happened, was it? <laughs> no, they no? didn't. Sorry, whatever. Um, so, wow. So, g- give us a little insight into what that was like for you and and how you found your way to the Catholic Church. I had a great childhood. I had a wonderful upbringing. I I had great uh, Protestant friends and I learned the Bible. I I met Jesus as a Protestant and it wasn't like big complaints in any way, shape, or form. It's just that I ended up uh, meeting a a great Catholic family when I finally was in high school and I was a very hardcore Protestant and I, I loved to argue as a pastor's kid. I knew my Bible and whatnot. And yet, uh, I started encountering some things that uh, didn't jibe with a lot of the things that I've been raised with and taught. Now, and, did that good Catholic family, I mean, they know their Bible too? Or were they like the typical Catholic families that don't always know exactly the chapter and verse? No, no. Catholic mama, Mrs. Vogel, knew the Bible. Awesome. And, and she taught God Bible studies. Her. And so, she was one of these Catholic moms with like a veritable library in her home. And so, she'd feed me books, you know, whenever I, I had a question about something. But these people were really the first Catholics that I really kind of encountered. And what really kind of came out of my relationship with them is they started to kind of poke holes in some of my belief system growing up, which was exacerbated by the fact that I'd been in so many different denominations. They started to, you know, the authority question was really the big issue that kind of got me. That was the first big domino uh, that that fell. And once the domino of authority falls, you know, it's a slippery slope. But... um, it took a. It was a several year process for me to become converted. So uh, they planted some major seeds. They then. did. It was more than seeds. You know, this is the thing about evangelization. I think we forget about this as Catholics. It's really a relational thing. Uh, some people are converted instantly. I am not one of those people. I can't stand those people. You know, because it was <laughs> it was very difficult for me to to work through a lot of the the issues and things that that I had. But the, this family, particularly this mother. She kind of mothered me into the faith. Wow. And, and that was, I think about that now as a Catholic, as I'm looking at the church today, like how do we get people to come into the church? We have to develop relationships with people. That's really what it's about. And obviously we need to know the arguments. We need to know why we believe what we believe. But we also need to work with them and live with them and bring them in. Yeah, so that I, I was involved in the Curcio movement, the make a friend, be a friend, bring a friend to Christ. I mean, you're... You can't just yell at somebody from across the street and say, "Hey, you should be a Christian." No, you know, no, never. No. How many people do you know, Deacon, that ever became Catholic because they were humiliated in an apologetics well, argument? That I did. No, I'm kidding. No, 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 no. no you're right. Yeah, it you're doesn't right. happen that way, right? I mean, right. it's because they see the love of Christ in us and that we are what we say we are. That that's right. It's about personal holiness. That really is, I think, a, a huge. Key. Do you do you, do you think that at like? I, I think that at the heart of that is like trusting the person, right? You can have terrifically different views or concepts of something, but if you trust the other, right, and you you know that they're not like out to get you, to win you, to to beat you down, to to be victorious over you. If you know that they've really got your heart in their heart, you trust them, and so you're willing to at least have a conversation. That's right. And and I think isn't it interesting that that that's what really essentially converted you. But that's the world we live in right now is not going in that direction. 
no, we're not built for that kind of relationship anymore. I mean, social media and everything else just uh, tends to fragment us, which I think in a lot of ways is by design. But um, it, it's not, of course, let's back up a second. It's not just a matter, just to reiterate this point, of relationship. Right? right. We need to study the faith. How many Catholics do you know that really know the faith? Yeah. I mean, really. Do we really know what it's all about? Do we know John what it's ordered Edwards. to? <laughs> John Edwards is the only guy I know that really knows the faith. <laughs> all it takes is a night in jail, and you will know the faith. You will know our Lord and Savior. Um, yeah, so you're exactly right. So uh, as true to most of Catholic doctrine, you know, it's both and. You know, faith Correct. and works. You know, it's scripture right. and tradition. And, and certainly this idea of relationship but also knowledge and, and, and doctrine and teaching. The revelation of God is important. Yeah, and, and for me personally, I, I started the study, so I met the family. They, they presented a Catholic family life to me, which was attractive, and, and I developed relationships with them. But then I started working my way through the faith, mostly to argue with them because I thought right. they were wrong, right? I wanted to convert them, not the other sure. way around. And uh, in working through the, the different issues and in relationship with them, that's really what led to my conversion. That is awesome. So once you – now, at what age were you when you came this into the This is 23 faith? years ago, this last Easter. So uh, I was so you're about 30 20, now. Yes, I, I am 30 <laughs> and a half. Yeah. Yeah, a big half. <laughs> I was 29 years old at the time. That is awesome. That is awesome. And so – at, at 29, were you rip-roaring and ready to be Catholic at that point? Did you? Uh, how was the family? Let me ask you, ask, how was the family in that? Was that like a little challenge? That, that was difficult. Uh, I had just come off the mission field. I ended up moving to uh, Steubenville just to go through RCIA. Okay. And went through it there. And uh, You wanted a real light version. Exactly. Right, like going to Steubenville, Ohio. <laughs> you, you just wanted to like slip through the back door. Well, you know what? The RCIA <laughs> just was not good where I was. Well. And so Catholic Mama, Mrs. Vogel was like, listen, you got to go someplace where they live it, you know, and uh, so I, I went and uh, it was hard. My family, my family really thought I was lost yeah. as a result. But I, they love, they love you. I mean, that's, that's out of love. It's not out of truly, truly. I mean, yeah. my, but it got really difficult at times too. Like my dad didn't talk to me for several weeks uh, yeah. leading up to the Easter vigil. My sister actually did come to the Easter vigil and begged me in front of the Bob Evans not to become Catholic, like hours before the vigil began. In front know? of the Bob Evans. In front of that's the Bob serious. Evans. So you say that because that's the only restaurant in town, just so you well, know. I mean, okay. <laughs> but still, uh, you know, I, 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 that's, I'm very involved or have been very involved in RCIA and teaching RCIA and running RCIA programs. I love that part of the faith, by the way. It just, I, I, cause it's like I get renewed in it every time I'm, yes. And, and, and you'll probably agree with me that every time you teach something, you learn something. Absolutely. You continue to grow, right? And, uh, and I have experienced on many, many, many occasions. In fact, I, I make it almost an evening presentation of like, by the way, you're going to be surrounded by people that support you and love you here. But you're going to go back out, and you, you know what the mission field is. Well, that's going to be your new mission field, and they're not part of your mission, right? And so it's going to be, or they don't view themselves in that right. way. It's going to be a challenge, you know. So Thanksgiving dinners and and uh, Christmas dinners and whatever dinners where everybody gets together, 
you're going to be the lone wolf no, in a lot true. of ways. And you, you get defensive in the beginning uh, because of it because I still had family members that were kind of attacking me for doing right. it. And so then you go like, well, the best defense is a good offense. And so you go thermonuclear. You, go. <laughs> you blow up their arguments. And anytime anyone says anything about anybody, you're like Yosemite Sam. You, know, you want to argue about that? Let's do it. That's right. Know? That's right. Well, uh, so w- when did uh, St. Veronica... Like enter the picture. Was she was she there already? Before? Nope. After? No, I get this question a lot. I did not meet my wife until a year or so after I'd become Catholic. See, and the Lord just wanted you to be Catholic, you know, before you could you would be allowed to to, to see a good Catholic girl and you meet know, that good. I think my family would have said, "Well, that's why you became Catholic." You know, because oh, you interesting. Yeah, my wife would not have looked at me, frankly, if right. I had not been uh, Catholic already. So, beautiful wife and six children later, here you are, uh, prancing about the world. <laughs> You know, it's just, just the visual you just gave me just was not good of myself. Well, uh, all right, Johnny Appleseed, uh, you're you're spreading little apple seeds of Catholic faith all over the place. So, uh, so excited for that. So, how did you get really? Because, um, like, I'll just say this also: uh, for a lot of Catholics, when you say things like the spiritual life, there's a silence that comes after that. You know, it's like really. The spiritual life, I'm not really, you know, I'm not excited, you know, apologetics, you know, or or just anything that just sounds like you can just sink your teeth into. Spiritual life is not one of those things that always sounds uh, exciting, and yet, I I know that you know just like once you lift the hood, you go like, wow. That's exactly right. You know, when I first became Catholic, you you have this treasure chest at your feet, right? And you you're like the old miser who dips his hands into the treasure chest. He's like, ha 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 ha! Look at all these things! All <laughs> you know, the gold coins are falling through. And so you're distracted by this, that, and the other. And it wasn't really fully Deacon Jeff until about ten years into the Catholic faith that I really got serious about what authentic Catholic spirituality is. And I was kind of introduced to it through. Um, Father Thomas Dubay is mm-hmm. one of the first guys I started really reading stuff that resonated with me. And from there, I dug into Teresa of Avila and John of the Cross and all these people. And all of a sudden, my eyes were open to the fact that being a Catholic is about far more than just going to Mass and saying my prayers and getting to confession, you know, as often as I possibly can. Which are all good things. They're, they're foundational things. But really, right? the spiritual life you, of which you speak is like this lifeblood that like connects all of that. It, it's the end goal. I mean, Jesus himself says in Luke 10, 4, 42, I think it is. There's one thing necessary, right? What is that? It's sitting at his feet and in t- entering into a divine intimacy with him. And most of us as Catholics don't really know what that divine intimacy is. And when I started to dig into this, it revolutionized my spiritual life because it gave a purpose and a direction to everything that I was already doing as a Catholic and took all these Catholic tools and these huge channels of grace that we have through the sacraments and all the rest of it. And it gave it this end goal that blew everything away of what I thought that I was doing as a Catholic. Oh, man. You know, when you, when you talk about the divine intimacy, I remember as a, uh, we'll say a younger, not so good Catholic. I, I remember hearing the, the scripture verse where Jesus really says, depart from me. I, I never knew you. Yeah. And these are these are people that were following him. These are people that are these are disciples that are kind of gathered around. Hey, we're all Jesus freaks. I mean, we're all out here hanging out with Jesus, and you know he's going to feed us again, and that all that's great. And we, he just raises the dead. All these things are wonderful, but he says like you know, judgment. He's 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 saying depart from me. I I never knew you, and 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 when I realized what that meant, like that that word no, and how the Bible uses that word, and and it's essentially divine intimacy and having this relationship with Jesus. It was kind of scary at first. 
it's terrifying actually for a lot of people because you don't really know what Jesus is talking about, right. you know? And when you, the, the focus I think that we miss is on that first word, which is divine. Mm. And what is divine intimacy? And what is it that we are created for as Catholics, as sons and daughters made to be part of the divine family of God? And when you start to understand that we aren't just created for some place called heaven with, you know, a bunch of half-naked cherubs strumming right. harps on clouds, but we are really created to participate in the divine nature of God, as Second Peter 1, 4 says, then you start to go, whoa, 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 whoa. What, what does that mean? And what does that mean for how it is I live my life, right? Wow, yeah. Because we are we're really made. The whole process of sainthood that we talk about, it's become like a cliche. Oh, saint this and saint that. Oh, I get your face on a, on a holy card. What we're talking about is a process of deification, literally. Not that we become equal to God because he's God and we're creatures, but he shares himself with us. By grace, we become what he is by nature, literally, yeah, as yeah. we are moving toward the family of God. St. John tells us that when we, we die, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be like him because we'll see him as he truly is. That's exactly right. right. And, and, and you start to realize we, we were meant to be uh, in that state. I mean, that's what we were created for, Yes, which is different than what a lot of people think. Like, well, I just want to get into heaven. You know, I just want to be like maybe the 20 rows back. I don't have to be in the first 10 rows or first 20 rows. Just let me sit in the back and kind of, you know, wave at the big stage where Jesus sits up on his throne. At least I'm in heaven. You know, if you, I've had a nickel for every time I heard a Catholic say, as long as I make it into purgatory, my yeah. heels are hanging off the back. And I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. That's not what you want to aim for. Don't do that. I mean, St. John on the Cross says purgatory is worse than a thousand deaths, first of all. You don't really want to go there. I mean, it's a good place because at least you know you're on your way to right. heaven, right? But, but we're called to something that is so beyond what we can possibly conceive of in, in this divine intimacy that we're talking about, Deacon, that... When you when it starts to sink in, you start to order every aspect of your life toward it, and you want to. So the Catholic life doesn't—it's not rules, it's not obligations, it's not things I have to do. It's a way I want to live because suddenly I'm inspired and 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 filled up with the Holy Spirit. So I want to love, I want to have intimacy, I want to be what Jesus wants me to be, and it changes everything in your life. It doesn't mean you become perfect overnight, but you're starting this process of perfection. Jesus Himself said this, Matthew five forty eight: "Be perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect." So we're supposed to be perfected, but it's not rules and regulations. It's a relationship that He gives us the power to do it. It's like you're taking a test, and someone's whispering that the, you know, the answers in your ear as you're taking it and moving your hand to the box to mark it in. God gives us everything we need to do this. Amen. We just have to put ourselves in, in the presence of God on a daily basis and work it out in fear and trembling, as St. Paul says. So we're talking to Matthew Leonard. Matthew's a um, uh, very gifted and very busy uh, evangelist, speaker. Uh, he uh, has a podcast, The Art of Catholic. So uh, lots of good stuff going on in your life. And we're talking here about uh, the end goal. Right, so Catholics can sometimes get so busy doing stuff that we forget where we're going and and what we're supposed to attain, right? And so that's where we're talking about this divine intimacy. So for a lot of folks, it's like, okay, that sounds good, Matthew. I want some of that divine in- intimacy. Can you help me get some? You know, what do I have to do? <laughs> how many rosaries do I have to pray? You know, uh, how many coats do I have to give to the homeless people? What what do I have to do to attain this divine intimacy? Well. This is the $64,000 question for those of you who are over 40, right? The rest of you have no idea what I'm referencing. <laughs> but, but really, the, the saints will talk about how it is 
we are supposed to grow up in the spiritual life just like we do in the natural life. And this is what St. Augustine called the science of saints. It's what St. Catherine of Siena called the holy science of love. Our spiritual lives are not haphazard. We are not made to muddle around in the muck of this world just waiting for Jesus to come back or die, whichever one happens first. There is a systematic process by which we are perfected now and this, we become divine. This actually fits in beautifully with the worldview right now, unfortunately, because <laughs> it's like they're saying, follow the science. And you hear that phrase a million times, right, in the media, follow the science. Here we're following that science. It is. But we're following science, the science of sainthood. That's right. And it is a, it is, really is a science and not the you know the kind that we're all used to, but it is a process that it, by which we grow up. It's so it's organic in a sense. And uh, this is the way Thomas Aquinas will describe it. You move from spiritual infancy into spiritual adolescence and spiritual adulthood. But most of us never grow up. That's the problem, right. you know. And so we have to do particular things in order to grow up. Foundationally, it's the sacraments, obviously. Right. But the sacraments without a really devoted life of prayer, you're just never... It, it, prayer is what clears us out of the way so that the grace of God can have its maximum impact upon us. Like it clears all the debris out of the system. So you have to have a life of prayer to let that grace move you toward perfection and toward God. But it's really setting up, for example, uh, practically speaking, it's setting up specific times of prayer on a daily basis where Catholics, you need to enter into meditative what, prayer. What is your prayer life like? My prayer? Because we, you know what? We're going to put you on the spot okay. because yeah, great. everyone's listening and going like, this Matthew, he talks a good game. You know, <laughs> he's got this list of things. He wants us to buy a book and, then, and this, this is going to answer all of our questions. What does he do? I wonder what he does. Every morning I wake up well before dawn uh, because that's the only quiet time I get in the house mm. and I wake up for everybody else and I go get a cup of coffee and I begin my prayers and I will generally say, uh, I will say a rosary and then I spend at least half an hour or 40 minutes of meditative prayer where I'm either doing the liturgy of the hours or I'm in sacred scripture doing Lexio Divina, which is reading and praying over sacred scripture, or I'm just sitting in the presence of God. It kind of depends on where I am at that particular time. And when that hour or so of time, of hour and 15 minutes or whatever it is, is up, I'm taking my kids to school. I'm heading to daily mass. I know not everyone can do that. I have the opportunity, and I'm thankful for that. In the evening, I do an examination of conscience. At noon, I'm praying the Angelus, and I'm doing aspirations during the day to our Lord. Uh, So that's really what my basic prayer life is. Now you had, like. but you had to develop that regimen, right? You sure. you you didn't just like the day they you became Catholic <laughs> at the Easter vigil the next morning, Easter Sunday morning. They said, by the way, here's a list of stuff you're going to have to do, because because a lot of people are going like, like, okay, I struggle to say like three Our Fathers totally in a row. So no. how, how do we how do we get? That's a transition. No, it is. It's like a muscle you build. You don't walk into a weight room and start throwing up 300 pounds on the bench press, you know, over the first time you go Unless in there. Unless you're John Edwards. Unless you're John Edwards. And look at him over there. <laughs> so you're right. I mean, what I always tell people is when you're first starting out, if you've never done meditative prayer, then uh, you, you start out with 10 or 15 minutes a day. And it will be like the longest 10 or 15 minutes of yeah. your life in the beginning. But if you persevere through it and you continue to do it, what you will start to discover is the time starts going faster and faster and faster. And the reason why, and this is what Catholics, I just, if I could get Catholics to understand one thing, we are made to pray. Mm. Like we are made to pray and be in relationship 
with Almighty God. And so the more you do it, the easier it becomes. And all of a sudden, that clock starts going by a whole lot faster because this is literally what you're made for, to commune with God. And there are different kinds of prayer. And a lot of people think that we can get stuck on that one thing. So some people in there, when you say we're made to pray, it's like, bless us, O Lord, in these thy gifts, which is fine. It's beautiful. Wait, are, are we eating? <laughs> exactly. Always have donuts at the Catholic Cafe. Um, and so sometimes people will struggle with like, well, how do I pray? You mentioned meditative prayer yeah. there. And it's not something that people just, it's like their go-to prayer. It's not. And this is the one thing I think that, that if more Catholics were praying and they knew what meditation was and did it, uh, we wouldn't have nearly the problems that we have. And really, it's simple. It's just a quiet interior prayer where you use some outside source, like a book or something like that, and you begin to read through it slowly. And when the Lord speaks to you out of the passage, you stop. And you have this interior conversation with the Lord. And when that little conversation ends and he, say, he points something out to you, then you resolve to work on that and then you keep on going. It's really just an interior, quiet conversation with God, but you have to have some kind of an input. You make it sound so easy and so beautiful. <laughs> it's so, changed my I, life. I know. I just and and and, uh, and prayer is a beautiful thing, and it's something that, like, I'll be honest with you. There have been times when I'm really good at prayer. You know, when I'm exasperated, when I'm stressed, when I have all kinds of issues and problems, that when I have mountains that need to be moved, and I'm not as good just on the ordinary days. Mm-hmm. And so, how do you how do you get somebody to start thinking like it's an everyday thing? It's it's something you want to do daily. You just have to set the time aside to do it and have the discipline to do it, and you realize that you're never going to feel. I mean, Sometimes you feel like it. Most of the time, you're not going to feel like it. But St. Paul says we're supposed to pray constantly, right? You can't get to that kind of a state of prayer until you set aside specific set times to pray on a daily basis. Because if you don't do that, it will be the first thing tossed off of your spiritual to-do list. That is awesome. So that's something that people, I think, that anybody can start, right? And don't try to, you know, eat the whole elephant all at once, right? Just one bite at a time and just start to do something small, do something, just do something different. Uh, and so I, I just challenge the folks listening out there, if you're kind of struggling with that part of your life, with that spiritual part of your life, that the prayer part of your life, just to open yourself and allow yourself, really let God do what he does, rather than us get in the way and stop it with all the reasons why we can't and, and all the obstacles that we put up, just kind of like lay back and just let God take care of business. Yeah, and once you do, buckle up. Amen. And that sounds like an awesome opportunity. So, um, Matthew, you, you have got so many things going on in your life. Uh, and uh, do you, do you, what is it you enjoy most when you go around and you're doing talks and you're, you're meeting people? What, what is it the thing that you take away? It's not just like, hey, today I imparted knowledge to 4,700 people or whatever. I, that sounds nice and everything, but like, what is it that you, where do you, where do you, where do you get the, uh, the affirmations that God sends you, the, the consolations that God sends your way, where, where do those come? The more you talk about the spiritual life, the more you recognize you really don't know what it is, and you're talking about trying to tap into the infinite God. And so the Lord is always speaking to me through whatever it is I talk about, and I need to hear it more than everybody else, to be Amen. honest, which is why he has me talking yeah. about it, to be honest. That, no, that sounds beautiful. And it sounds like it's like, and that will keep you going every day. Yes. Because there's new stuff. Yes. We, we've, we've lost the sense of, of like, well, divinity, really, but, but infinity uh, and just like everlasting, eternal. Those are words that we use all the time in the, in the Catholic prayers that come down to us, but we don't always know that stuff. But now, Matthew Leonard, you've given us an opportunity to reach into that world of the infinite, eternal, and loving God and to know him. How beautiful. Thank you for joining us. It's my pleasure. Let's ask the Blessed Mother to be with us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, pray pray for for us sinners, sinners, now and at the hour of our our death. death. Amen. Amen.
Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time. Thank you.